Welcome to another Homebrew Audio podcast. Record professional music and voiceovers on your computer. We'll show you how. Today's episode, How to Create a Home Recording Studio, Part 5, The Accessories. Hello, and thanks once again for listening to the Homebrew Audio podcast. We are in the middle of a five-part series called How to Set Up a Home Recording Studio. In part one, we talked about the first steps in setting up a computer-based home recording studio. In part two, I gave you six tips for dealing with all the different kinds of noise that can make your audio sound amateurish. So if you followed those six tips, you ought to be able to make the typical home recording sound much more professional. And most of those tips were things you could do right away without having to buy anything. Then in part three, I talked about microphones and how to connect those to your computer. Then in part four, we talked about audio recording software. Today in part five, the final entry in our series, we'll talk about studio accessories. Accessories are things like mic stands, headphones, pop filters, etc. These are the supporting actors in most cases, the things that make it easy for us to use the microphones, interfaces, and software that make up the leading roles in our studio. An argument could be made for monitor speakers being more of a lead actor, especially for music recording and mixing. But since we are starting out with more of an all-around basic studio that many of us will use only for voiceover type work, the speakers kind of get second billing here. For now, most any speaker will do. When you really want to get into critical listening for music recording, you're going to want to look into monitor speakers specifically things called reference monitors that aren't made to make the music sound better, but are there to make it sound accurate. So let's start with microphone stands. We talked about mics, so you're going to need to put them on something. For non-talking head voiceover stuff, I highly recommend a scissor stand or scissor boom desk stand that clamps onto your desk and that you can pull down and push up and move out of the way. They're extremely convenient. One example is the newer, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, table-mounted scissor stand with pop filter and shock mount already built in. On the article on the website, there's a link to this and a picture of it. You can clip it to a table or desk and rotate, push, pull the mic out of the way as you need it. I use one of these and find it incredibly handy, especially for voiceover work. The mic is always right there when I need it, and I can just push it up and out of the way. I know I've said that three or four times already when I'm not using it. The one I'm talking about here goes for about $21, and there are, of course, many other models that uh, go up in price. For music or voiceover use, another great and versatile choice, which I actually happen to be using right now, is just a standard boom stand. The one I show in the post is the OnStage MS7701B Tripod Microphone Boom Stand. I know that's a mouthful. That's actually exactly the one that I'm using right now. You can move these around and put them anywhere, and the boom functionality allows you to place the mic at any angle or height you want. Plus, you can use these for live performance, of course. Next is something called a shock mount. That scissor desk stand I mentioned earlier actually comes with a shock mount, but for most mic stands, you're going to need to buy a separate one. 
Large diaphragm condenser mics are very sensitive to any bumps or vibrations coming through the mic stand. That's why it's almost mandatory to use a shock mount, which holds the mic suspended in a spiderweb-looking thing made up of elastic bands. Most LDCs, large diaphragm condensers, have specific shock mounts designed for them by the mic manufacturer, and some even come with one, like the Audio-Technica AT2020 and AT2035 microphones. But you can also get a universal shock mount, such as the Bosin Universal Shock Mount, again pictured on the website, that will work with pretty much any large diaphragm condenser you have. Next are cables. Many times, mics will already come with cables. If you're using a non-USB mic and not using a desk boom, because those usually come with the cables built right on, you will need a mic cable, which usually costs about $25. These cables will have the three-pin XLR connectors for standard mics. Of course, if you're using a USB mic, you'll just use a USB cable. If you are using a USB mic, be sure to use the cable that came with that mic because these are designed for audio and not all USB cables are up to that task. Next are headphones. At first, especially if you're not recording music, you can get away with using any like mobile device player, earbuds if you need to, or if you're gonna stick to headsets, that's fine too. But having the large studio type headphones that encircle your whole ear allows you to hear the audio much more clearly and are very useful if you do any Skype chats or any other types of online meetings where you need to listen as well as speak into your microphone. Otherwise, the speakers will also be picked up by the mic and cause feedback and other unpleasantness. Of course, if you're doing any multi-track recording, usually with music studios, headphones are necessary. I use both the Sennheiser HD280 and the Audio-Technica ATH-M50 and recommend either or both. One thing to consider if you're recording music is the closed back versus open back version. The open back ones will allow sound to come out the side of the headphones, and that's not great if you're going to be overdubbing audio tracks because that will bleed into the microphone. For that, you're going to want a closed back headphone. I mentioned monitor speakers earlier. If you plan to mix and or master music, you'll eventually want to invest in a pair of studio monitors. And one of many examples is the KRK Rocket G3 Active Monitors, and that is linked on the post. The six inch version will run about $200 per speaker. Next up is pop filters. If you're recording your voice, you need a pop filter, pop screen, to reduce the P-pops that are inevitable in human speech. Large diaphragm condenser mics are extremely sensitive to the little blasts of air that hit them when we say the letter P or other plosive sounds such as B or sometimes even CH or TH. The result in the recorded audio is a little low-frequency splat type of sound. A pop filter set up between your lips and the mic will reduce or even eliminate P-pops. One good example is the Ore pop filter, and they cost about $23, and different versions of those, of course, go for even more. Next up is the MIDI keyboard. This is really only helpful if you're planning on recording music. For folks doing just voiceovers or podcasts, you can probably skip this. I'm mostly an acoustic instruments kind of guy. 
I play acoustic guitar and add bass and percussion from all real instruments. But I don't have a full drum kit. I also don't have a piano that sounds great for recording. So I use virtual instruments to help build up a full song, especially for drums. Having a MIDI keyboard to help with playing the virtual drums is, for me at least, a necessity. Same goes for piano parts and any other instruments I might want to add. For what a virtual instrument is and how to use one, see my article, What is a Virtual Instrument? Play Music Without Having to Know How to Play Instruments. And that is linked on this post. Now let's talk a little bit about mixers. You don't need one. Yeah, I know the popular images of recording studios usually show big mixing boards with lots of impressive knobs and sliders. But for a computer-based home recording studio, you do all your mixing in the computer. Trying to route things through a mixer can really confuse things. In fact, it does that more often than not. The quality of mic preamps on a typical mixer is usually not good for recording. They're made for live performance usually. One exception to what I'm saying about mixers in a home studio is the MIDI control surface unit. These units are designed to give you physical control over your software mixer. Folks doing mainly voiceover work would probably not need one. Musicians who prefer using their hands to move sliders and knobs rather than a mouse are typically the ones who like to use control surfaces. One example is the Mackie Control Universal Pro expandable control surface. I actually do use a mixer, but not for recording. I've got one here sitting in the studio that just takes all of the outputs and routes it to my monitor speakers. So I play things back through my mixer, but I never record through it. And that's pretty much it for basic accessories. Let's talk a little bit about something that I've talked about a lot in other articles and in the how to set up a home recording studio mini course, and that is the two setup options. Setup number one is a mic plugged directly into your computer. This might be just a regular old PC mic that may have come with your computer. Back in the old days, they always used to come with one, and you would just plug that into your computer's sound card. Uh, the other most common option in setup number one is to use a USB microphone to go straight into your computer. So with the accessories you would have for pro quality anyway, is a USB mic on a stand with a pop filter plugged into a normal computer running, say, Reaper software. Total cost would be about $159. Setup number two is an XLR microphone plugged into an interface, which is then plugged into a computer. The basic pro-capable option would be a large diaphragm condenser mic, non-USB, on a stand. I think full-size boom stands or desk scissor booms are much more versatile than the simple desk stands that sometimes come with microphones that just sit on your desk and they have a little uh, straight stand because uh, you can't usually get your mouth close enough to those without hunching over, so they're really not the best. Um, but anyway, the uh, all of that with a pop filter plugged into an interface, which of course is then plugged into a normal computer running Reaper software. The total cost for that would be about $340. So now what? 
Now that you know how to put your studio together, you'll want to know how to actually do the recording, right? That's what Homebrew Audio is all about. I've got tutorials, articles, tips, and resources to help you on your recording journey. Also, I have a video tutorial series called The Newbie's Guide to Audio Recording Awesomeness. The first module of the course takes you step-by-step, step, even if you've never done any recording before, through creating your first recordings and teaching you the basics of audio recording, even if you have no budget for gear. It uses the free Audacity software and a PC mic you probably already have or could buy for about $5 to $15. The second module of the course, The Newbie's Guide to Audio Recording Awesomeness 2, Pro Recording with Reaper, shows you how to do the same basics from part one, but when using Reaper software, plus introduces you to even more powerful and awesome recording tricks and techniques. Now that you know how to put together an affordable but professional home recording studio and you have a place to learn how to use it, you can start recording awesome voiceovers, songs, video narrations, audiobooks, and podcasts. You can get free videos from both modules of the course by clicking on the banner which is on the post at the bottom of the post for this article. That's it for this episode. Tune in next time for another Homebrew Audio podcast.